exclusive podcast from Impact 89FM. Impact Exposure. And welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap here. It's July 30th. It is a Monday, and it is summer baseball season, and as well as Olympic season. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap. I'm your host for the day, as usual, Alex Sharg, and to my left is David DeFever. David, tell me about your last week. How's everything going? What have you been up to? It's been great. Got to enjoy some camping at Holton Lake last weekend, so it's nice to get away from everything, but... Pumped to be back back on the show today. Of course, and and as you said, it's great to get away from everything for a quick minute. But there's so much going on right now, especially with the Olympics. With this is the first time you know in two years that we get an Olympics back you know in the sports world again. So it's very exciting to see what has been happening to our USA team. But as we always start the show, we have our question of the week. And for those of you who are just tuning in, and for those of you who maybe have not listened to the show before, how it works is David and I have a question for you. And what you need to do is if you know the answer, you need to tweet at 89FM Sports Rap. Again, that's at 89FM Sports Rap. You need to tweet your answer. And in future weeks, David and I will be giving out future prizes. And as of today, David has some potential possibilities of some places looking to give out some future prizes. And David also has our question of the week, as so he will kindly read. Yes, and our question of the week this year, its uh, not this year, today, is, is about the Olympics. Out of the 204 countries that participate in the Olympics, how many of those countries have yet to win in a, a, an Olympic medal, there, there is a, there's a handful of them, but you just need to tweet in the number of how many countries have yet to win a single Olympic medal. We're not talking gold; we're talking all three of them. So, so to get this straight, this is for any country not having one athlete to win any medal. Correct. So, so not necessarily the team medals, but a medal, not no medals at all ever. Exactly from. For every Olympic sport, no one has won a medal for this for this country. Correct. All right. So if you know that answer, you need to tweet at eighty nine FM Sports Rap, or if you want to call in during the show, you have a you have an issue you want to address with something that we're talking about. Feel free to call in 517-432-3893. Call in, debate with David or myself on a certain topic. Or call in and maybe pitch your answer for that question this week. And again, the the, the question is of the 204 countries participating in the Olympics, how many countries have yet to win any medal for any sport? So that is the question this week. But real quickly before we be- begin with the show, lineup for the, for today at 7:05, we're talking a lot of Olympics. Michael Phelps, you know, Jordan Weber, the local girl and more. Coming up at 7:20, we're talking about the Big 10 luncheon that happens once a year. The keynote speaker this year was Denard Robinson, the quarterback from the University of Michigan Wolverines. Last year was our very own Kirk Cousins. So we're going to compare the two different speeches. A couple questions about that. At 725, the Detroit Tigers just made a big deal on the trade market. Dombrowski pulling some strings. We're going to talk about that at 725. 740, the Detroit Lions with everything that's been going on this offseason. How do you address this team? 
Do you like this team so far? We're going to talk about that at 7.40. And at 7.50, we're talking about the NHL. Red Wings a little slow on the free agent market, as we've seen in the last couple weeks. David, our hockey expert here, has a couple future picks for what the, what the Detroit Red Wings really can do from here. And capping off the show at 7.55, our traditional goons of the week. And it's a great goon this week. I'm not going to lie, David. This is probably one of my favorite goons yes, to start the I'm week. Yes, I'm excited to get there. <laughs> and, and to give everyone a hint, this goon here is an NFL player, and speaking of NFL, this week, David, I actually was in Indianapolis for an internship, and I was just so excited. I wanted to go to the Indianapolis Colts training camp, but then I remembered, wait a minute, Peyton Manning is no longer a Colt. So, I mean, my my, my whole motive was, wow, I got to see Peyton Manning a little bit. I mean, yeah, the Colts do have a, you know a couple other good players on their team, but I really wanted to see Peyton Manning, so that was a bit of a disappointment. But about Peyton Manning, this is another NFL guy, this goon of the week, and we're going to get to that a little bit later in the show. Um, but before we start with the Olympics, I do want to mention some breaking news as of today. Draymond Green, our very own Draymond, gets three years and $2.6 million with the Golden State Warriors. Finally getting his first contract with Golden State. David and I at the, Sport and, the Spartan Sports Wrap, we want to wish Draymond a congratulations. I mean, we expect big things this year. I mean, scouts have been raving about this guy for weeks um, just reading a couple quotes here from general manager Bob Myers. He's the general manager of the of the Golden State Warriors. He's got a strong skill set, but what Dre does well is he thinks the game. I can guarantee you he's going to be with us on opening night. We love him. So, I mean, the whole organization is very high on him. Uh, even the assistant coach just states his basketball IQ is far beyond any rookie I have ever seen come into this league. He knows himself. He has a mental toughness and a physical competitiveness. It's going to be hard to keep him off the floor. So those are just two examples of this Golden State organization really high on this guy. And I just want to read one more quote as well from a, from Bay Area new group, new group beat writer Marcus Thompson II. He said on Twitter, I said from the beginning Draymond Green was the best value the Warriors got in the draft. He may be the best player. They got in the draft. So a lot coming from this this Golden State Warrior organization. All of us had seen with Draymond what he's brought to our teams in years past. This guy's got it all. And David, I mean, I know you're happy for the guy, but I mean, predictions for this year. Is Draymond going to have a pretty successful year? Uh, I I don't doubt that at all. I, he's got the work ethic. He's got the skill set. He's got the smarts of basketball, which it may not come down to skill sometimes, but you just got to be thinking smart, you know, what's going on in the game. Sure. But Draymond Green with the contract, congratulations, every penny earned, and can't wait to see him on in an NBA uniform. Absolutely. We cannot wait for the year to commence in another year of basketball. But starting off and, and going back to what has happened this past week, the Olympics, so Michael Phelps, our very own Pride Olympian, did not place in the 400-meter individual medley. He finished out of the medal hunt for those of you who just tuned out for this past week with the Olympics so far. Michael Phelps, had, you know, with, with, the eight, with the eight medals he won last year, unfortunately, with his first race, he did not place in the medal count. So then comes the question that I ask, who is the best Olympian? for the United States this year? Because, David, at, at the beginning of this Olympics, I would have clearly said Michael Phelps. Yeah, me too. And now, with with what he has done so far, and even, even in his second swimming race, it still wasn't the prime Michael Phelps that we have expected. So, one, is he out of his prime? And two, 
I mean, is he still the best Olympian for the United States team? Um, I want to say yeah, but after his, the first couple races that I saw, he didn't even place in the first one, which everyone had their had their eyes on Phelps. Is, is he going to have another record-setting year, another remarkable year in the pool? But um, he's underperformed, and, and it shows. But And I think it shocked a lot of people. But for me, the U.S. Olympian, I'm going to change sexes and give it to a female, Dana Vollmer, who... Uh, she won the gold in the 200-meter butterfly, and she was the first woman to ever record a time under 56 seconds. It was 55.98, which .02, but every second counts when you're in the water. So I give her congrats. She was cruising in the pool. She won by a remarkable length, and it's it's just nice to see that she could break that record and stand on the podium, get her first gold. Yeah, no, absolutely. But, David, did you see her race in, in, that, swimming, in that swimming race? I actually did. And it was her and the record and in the world record line, the last 50 meters. That's all the all the announcers were saying is is she going to keep pace? Is she going to get past it? And it, and it's it's hard to tell because it, it, the line's in the water, so you know it's a little shaky with all the waves and everything. Right. But it, you, everyone's just as soon as she touches the wall, everyone's looking up at the big scoreboard and and just to see that huge smile on her face is she knew she got gold, but to see that smile on her face, she knew that was a world record. She says huge shock, but all the training and all the effort that she's put in has finally paid yeah, off. Right. And, and speaking of not keeping pace i mean how about ryan lochte i mean this guy recently as, as you saw did not keep up his pace and unfortunately you know he was ahead he was in first place in in his last recent race and he lost it to the frenchman who came up and creeped up and, and ryan lochte ended up blowing his lead you could you could tell when in in the four by 100 relay it was we the U.S. had a pretty good lead, and the first three Phelps and the other two guys, and then Lochte, our closer, you know, thinking that we got this in the bag, was coming around, and then the Frenchman just out of nowhere, you could tell like the last 15, 25 feet, Lochte was just struggling. Sure. He was out of gas, maybe used up a little bit too much energy in the beginning of the first 50, but... I mean, silver is still good in my books, but just to see that him, he wasn't able to close out is a real bummer for the United States. And, and Ryan Lochte, before the Olympics even began, he tweeted, this is my year. Like He was so determined for, for this year to really show up and really get those gold medals for the United States. And in the first race, yes, he did beat Phelps. Phelps did not place, and he won first. So Correct. That was the very first race after you know he's all this excitement building up. And, and I'm sure he put all he could in, in that first race, and he ended up beating Michael Phelps by four whole seconds. So, But then he comes out, you know, the following race, and I think now, David, it's starting, he's starting to see how difficult it is it, to win a multiple, you know, a multiple group of medals in a, a multiple different variety of different races. It is, and he's he's been in the shadow of Phelps, because, I mean, Phelps, eight medals last year, eight golds, and then you got Lochte. He is a strong swimmer, no doubt in my mind, but now that, like, his name is being highlighted more, he's being put more in the spotlight, I I feel like he's he's feeling the pressure, because, I mean, it's, it's that last stretch. I mean, you may think you have it, but as we saw, the Frenchman caught him, he was dead, mm-hmm. he ran out of gas, and, and it cost the, the United States a gold. Right. And, and with swimming, as you know, it's so different because there are so many different medals you can earn compared to maybe a basketball or maybe a ping pong where, you know, there's one big event. And, yes. and in the end, it's really coming down to those events that are really going to incorporate most of the medals for, for each team. Correct. So so any medal that, that we lose as a country in swimming counts majorly, you know? Correct. So, so as I ask the listeners... Is Michael Phelps out of his prime? Is there a new 
face for the United Let's States see. team. 517-432-3893. David DeFever, Alex Sharg here on 88.9, the Spartan Sports Wrap. We're talking Olympics. Who is going to mold into this team? And for that matter, is Michael Phelps still the reigning guy? And is he going to really represent and be that face for the United States Olympic team? And, and for me, David, I've not spoken my opinion yet. I'm going to say yes. Coming into it, he was the face of the United States team. And still, even though he lost his first race, he still has so many more races to, races to go. Correct. He has the 100 and the 200 meter free. Those are his best races. Those are the races that he set the world record for last year. And the 400 meter medley, he, 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 he set it last year. And even Michael Phelps, with, 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 with recently what he did in his second race... He raced 47.15 seconds in the 4 by 100 meters, and that was the fastest among all American swimmers. So yes, he did not do well in the first race, but he has come back in this last race, and I think he's going to do pretty well you know, for the rest of the series. But that remains to be seen, so if you think otherwise, 517-432-3893, or treat at us at 89FM Sports Rap. Again, at 89FM Sports Rap is our Twitter name, and our question of the week was out of the 204 countries competing, how many countries have never won a medal for any sport, period? So, take a guess. That's a numbered guess. So, I mean, David, I'm going to guess. I don't know the answer. But I'm going to say maybe like 63. I'm going to say 63. I, I mean, I see a good third of the smaller countries yeah. maybe not necessarily winning medals. I mean, if you had to guess off the top, I mean, without knowing it, what what would you expect? I would expect around the same, 60, 70. But it's it's all about the smaller countries, you think, that not many people recognize. But it's always right. nice to see athletes come out, you know, give their all, you know, compete. And that's what we like to see. And we wish the best of luck for those who haven't won a medal that they can actually pull that off this year in the 2012 Olympics. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even with not even gaining medals, we got to look at Michael Phelps, okay? He's two medals away from being the winningest Olympian of all time for any country in the world. So, I mean, that a lot right there, to me, like, demotes Michael Phelps to still being that face because he still is on that high pedestal that no Olympian has ever matched up to yet. But, I mean, are, are your thoughts? I mean, is there another face maybe on the basketball team besides, besides Dana, Dana Vermeer? I mean, who else besides Michael Phelps would you see maybe carrying this USA team this year? Um, if Phelps doesn't compete in f- future Olympics, it, I'm going to put it on Lochte. He he needs mm-hmm. to be the backbone of USA. Uh, he's learning from Phelps, and that's what he's doing right now. He's he's a young guy. He's in his prime. But right. as soon as Phelps gets old and he can't compete anymore, mm-hmm. he's going to have to be the guy to step in for the U.S. Yeah, I, no, absolutely. I, I, I don't blame you at all. I mean, when you look at all the events overall and what events contribute the most to the overall medal winnings, it's definitely swimming. It's definitely those 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 racing those races where it, it really depends on a whole team effort. So feel free to call in 517-432-3893. Who is going to anchor this team after Michael Phelps leaves? I would say maybe a basketball player, but this basketball team, I mean, it's only one medal. Yeah. And that's that's the thing that separates that the basketball team from all the other sports. You got it's just one medal, right? And with the USA basketball team, they're phenomenal. Yeah, no, they're they're phenomenal, and and there's so many comparisons as we know so far to the 1992 Dream Team. So, I mean, there have been so many times this week where where this team has been asked, you know, 
if 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 your team was to play the 1992 Dream Team in a game, who would win? And and most of the players this year, including Kobe Bryant, including LeBron James, yeah, they still try they, they still say they try to stay focused, but in the end, I mean, I, I believe that they think that they are still better than that Dream Team. I mean, what are your thoughts? What team would you take? I would take this the 92 team. You can't go wrong with Michael Jordan. You got Charles Barkley, Ewing, Larry Bird. You got you got them all. And I mean it basketball has changed so much from when they played and now what it is at yeah, so the much. level the level is completely different mm-hmm. and and to make a comparison from now to back then it's really hard to judge but I'm going to stick with Michael Jordan. The the guys that know how to win rings can win golds, and they've done that in past Olympics. But, mm-hmm. I mean, this team this year for the U.S., if they don't win the gold, it'd be extremely disappointing. And then questions are going to go, oh, you didn't even get the gold. You're not going to be able to beat the 92 team. And then it's yeah. going to stir all this commotion on 92 just sticking with their word, saying, right. yeah, you don't got a chance against us. Exactly. And we're going to see Sports Center blowing up with all these Twitter feeds and all these people coming oh, out. And... Can't wait if they don't win. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go to the phones, and maybe someone has an opinion on who's going to anchor this team or who's going to carry it. You are on 88.9, the Spartan Sports Rap. Who is this calling? Hi, this is uh, Sean. Sean, what's going on? Do you have a guy who can really anchor, the... or girl, a guy or girl who can I, really... Uh, I wanted to ask you guys if you saw, hey, uh, did you guys see when they asked Michael Phelps about um, how he felt after this Olympics and how he hasn't trained and how he, like, went through depression mm-hmm. over after the 2008 because he did exactly what nobody else could do and that he'd reached, like, the mountaintop and he's bored and You know, Sean, I did hear about that, but what are your thoughts on what he said? I mean, do you really believe that he didn't, quote, train as hard or he was a little depressed? He he, he didn't train for some of these events until like nine months out. And Mm -hmm. like Ryan Lochte is just, you know, has a chip on his shoulder and he trained hard for four years. And Michael Phelps is like, I did exactly what everybody wanted me to do. So he's sort of like, you know does some Subway commercials and yeah. becomes sad and, you know, <laughs> a salesman. I mean, really, like, it's uh, a weird feeling. Like, if you if you set out to achieve eight gold medals in front of the world and you get it, then, like, what are you supposed to care about after that? Yeah, the thing, though, though, Sean, I would say about the Subway commercials is I often find that Jared, the Subway guy, is mainly happy. So, I mean, I think the Subway commercials could be a boost for Phelps. But, but besides that, besides that point, I mean... Is Michael Phelps, is this the, the end of his career? Like, do you see him him maybe, like, for the rest of the races remaining, not doing so well? I think uh, Ryan Lochte is older than him, I think. But I think uh-huh. Ryan Lochte is still hungry. But Michael Phelps said it was his last Olympics. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, Michael uh-huh. Phelps, he still has, like, six races left to go. Do you see him placing ahead of Lochte in some of these? And, and is, is he still going to be as dominant as he has been? Uh, well, the one he lost in the 400 medley, that's one, like, you have to train for. Cause that's the most grueling one. and mm-hmm. it's, So, I mean, I can see Michael Phelps pulling ahead, but I don't think it's really a sport where if you want it or if you're in the zone, you get it. I really think it's a it's like a simple training sport. Sean, now, are you a swimmer? Do you know, like, you said it, I, you have to train not, for it. I'm not, but I watch a lot of Olympics, and yeah. I have our friends. Gotcha, gotcha. Sean, well, hey, listen, thanks for calling in. I appreciate your thoughts on Phelps. 
Um, you've made some great points today. We're going to get to what you said a little bit more later in the show. Sean, thanks a lot, man. Yep. Thanks. Yep. So, again, that was Sean, and he's got some thoughts on what just happened with Michael Phelps. But besides that, I mean, we've seen this USA team, and besides from Michael Phelps in swimming, look at Jordan Weber. I mean, this is a local girl from DeWitt. She missed out by one-tenth of a point to make, you know, to make the final cut for, for you know, the medal, the medal placing. And, and even with that, I mean, she was the 2011 All-World Champion. So, I mean, David, your thoughts on Jordan Weber? I mean, there's a girl, you know, D- you know Gabby Douglas, of course, placing ahead of Jordan Weber. This, this team is still anchored by many good gymnasts. But Jordan Weber, I mean, this was a huge letdown. Yes, it is. And she won the 2011 World All-Around Championship. So everyone is focused on her, you know, getting to the final, competing and possibly repeating and getting that gold medal again or becoming the champion of the all-around on mats and all gymnastics. And just to see her slip out of the final by a tenth of the point, it, they in gymnastics they take the top two scores from your team mm-hmm. and obviously two other girls from the USA team placed ahead of her, but all eyes were on her to make it being the champion. I mean, the girl's 17 years old. She's put on this huge stage, the Olympics. Yeah, what did you, what did you do at 17 years old? I sure as hell was not in the Olympics, but it's, it's nice to see how good that she can compete, and I expect her to be back in multiple Olympics after this year. But, I mean, you learn from your mistakes. I mean, whether it was the, the nerves or anything like that, she needs to learn from this. She needs to cope with what went wrong. She's obviously very excited that her two other teammates made it, but everybody had her eyes on her making it to the finals and her placing, getting a gold since she was the 2011 right. champion. Clearly the best one with the most potential to win. Correct, but um, it was a couple slip-ups that she had on the mat. She stepped out of bounds once, which is... A deduction and that tenth of a point—that's just the nail biter for me. A tenth of a point, wow. that that close, but um, I expect her to be in future Olympics. And best of luck to her in the future. Of course, we're pulling for you, Jordan. If you're listening out there, we are pulling for you over here in the states. And speaking of local people, let's go back to last year when our very own Kirk Cousins spoke in the Big Ten media kickoff luncheon. And for those of you who do not know, every year the Big Ten Conference in college football holds a preseason luncheon. And what that entails is every single college and every single coach and some players from the Big Ten Conference, they all gather for this luncheon and they kick off with interviews. This is the first time that the coaches really meet with the press. And this is when the press really asked the coaches and some of the players about the upcoming year. And Kirk Cousins last year was the keynote speaker. And every year there's one keynote speaker. And Kirk Cousins gave a phenomenal speech. Uh, he, he spoke about the privilege of what it means to be a big-time player. He spoke of how hard he worked. He almost was going to be a Purdue Boilermaker. He used to go to the Purdue camps. Then he only had two scholarship offers from mid-American schools until Mark D'Antonio came in and offered him. So Kirk Cousins, it was great last year to hear him speak about how hard he worked and how privileged he is to finally make it to a big-time school. And matter of fact, be a star in this league and and many sports stations, radio stations, and even the and any person who works for the press knows that that speech was definitely one to remember. But this year, the reason I bring that up is because this year, the keynote speaker was Denard Robinson, the quarterback for the University of Michigan. And Denard Robinson 
came out with some statements that shocked a lot of people. Denard spoke of his past and his life when he lived in Deerfield Beach, Florida. Um, he Denard came out and said, quote, It wasn't easy where I came from. What made it possible was my two parents who had nothing but gave everything. Robinson also goes on to describe when he was 10 years old, one of his five brothers passed away. Um, that must have been so hard. And, and when he was in eighth grade, he could not even play college football going into his freshman year. Excuse me, not college, high school football going into his freshman year of high school because he was academically ineligible. So a guy like that with everything that he's worked so hard toward, going to a school like the University of Michigan with the academics that they hold high and, and with that prestige, I mean, this guy really rocked a lot of the people that were listening on that conference. And the reason I want to bring this up is because last year, when Kirk Cousins spoke, his team ended up winning the Big Ten Conference. So I asked the question this year, with Denard Robinson speaking, David, do you see the University of Michigan being the favorites this year and potentially winning this conference? No, <laughs> I can't agree. A- with, as unbiased as possible. As unbiased as possible, not being a Spartan ah, fan or on. Spartan student, I don't think that they're the favorite. I, I do like Michigan State, what they have lined up this year, but Wisconsin is always is always in the rear view for most teams that are at the top spot of the Big Ten. They got Moneyball. Uh, very high potential for the Heisman this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, had the record for most running rushing touchdowns next or last year in the NCAA. But um, I mean, hearing Denard's speech, it a lot of uh, a couple of his he his last speech that he gave he he gave it to a couple of his teammates, mm-hmm. and they even right. yeah they even came out and said that not not even the full the whole football team knows about his past mm-hmm. and and to see him come out and he he spoke that he was told he was never going to be able to be a quarterback he was never going to be able to come to a college like the University right. of Mich- Michigan they he was too small but i mean you've seen what he has done and for him to be honored to speak at this luncheon is obviously huge for him and the University of Michigan but I, I do not have Michigan as a favorite on winning the Big Ten Conference. Okay, and even to endorse your point, David, the All-Big Ten team was just announced recently today uh, at mid-afternoon. And on that All-Big Ten team, only two University of Michigan players made the All-Big Ten first team and four Michigan State players made it. So very nice to see for us, as unbiased as possible as that may be. But Denard Robinson and Taylor Luan were the two guys making the the All-Big Ten team list. And for the Michigan State Spartans, they had Chris McDonald, the offensive guard, who is slated to have an, an incredible year. Yes. Hopefully he can protect Andrew Maxwell, but we'll get to that in a bit. And, of course, Will Golson making the team. We also got Danikos Allen making the All-Big Ten team and Johnny Adams over at corner making the team. But So you said Wisconsin, you know, they're always, you know, in, in the rearview mirror. Um, but for me, I'm going to say... That yes, Michigan and Wisconsin are both slated to be some of the favorites, but when it comes down to it, yes, we won four straight years against this Michigan team. So I'm sure in the back of their minds, they're worried quite a bit. They're, uh, I wouldn't say they're worried. I I feel like, I mean, if you lose to your biggest rival four straight years, and everyone knows in the country whether you follow college football or not, you know right. that Michigan and Michigan State is a really big rival, mm-hmm. and. I think that them losing the last four years as if it hasn't fueled them enough to come out and beat Michigan State, us, in our home tour, or even at their home field, 
I mean, they're going to be hungry this year, but Michigan State's just going to be, we're going to be just as hungry, if not hungrier, because we want we want to keep it saying, because they always say they're the big brother of us, but hey, the little brother's whomping on you these last four right. years. <laughs> so do you think that Michigan has a chance of beating State this year with, with how you see the teams lining up? We just said that four of our teams made the all Big Ten preseason team compared to their two. Do you see Michigan taking a victory this year? And honestly, I'm going to say yes. And the, and the reason for that is, no, I'm not just you know a, a, biased, a biased Michigan State fan. I honestly think, David, that, that this Michigan State team this year, as good as they will be, I think the, with, with the lack of a quarterback, and, and yes, Andrew Maxwell does have that potential. He could come out and have an unbelievable year, but as of right now, this is his first year. Stepping into the Big know, Ten the, spotlight, not just the Big Ten spotlight, but the Big House, you know, for that matter. Yes. And, and when you are, of we've we've seen it many times with Jimmy Clausen stepping into the Big House in 2010 when when Jimmy Clausen faced Michigan, his first it, it was his first big game and, and he did not do very well at all. And and most quarterbacks who are in their first year going into a stadium atmosphere like that, I just think that they're going to have so many problems. But if you, the listeners, think otherwise. Feel free to call in, 517-432-3893. Again, 517-432-3893. Is Michigan State going to take one from the Wolverines this year at the Big House? We will get back to that answer in a little bit. But for right now, we are going to take a quick break here on the Spartan Sports Wrap. And before we go, you have to remember our question of the week. Out of the 240 countries competing in the Olympics... There are a certain number of countries who have never won a medal. How many countries have never won a medal in the Olympics history? So feel free to tweet at us at 89FM Sports Wrap your answer. But David and I will be right back. We're going to take a quick break. We'll see you in a second. You're listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. You're listening to Impact Exposure. At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive. But what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime. where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Sunday nights, check out Sit or Spin from 8 to 10 p.m., where you can voice your opinion on what new music we play here on the Impact. Only on Impact Primetime. Gentlemen, want to hear our specials? Sure. First, we have the seafood special. It's been sitting around here for a week. We're known around these parts for our food poisoning. Wouldn't it be great if you could be warned of life's risks? If you have diabetes, you can. It's called A1C, a simple blood test that can help measure your risk of complications such as heart attack. To find out more, go to www.diabetesa1c.org. Brought to you by the American Diabetes Association, Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation International, and the Ad Council. Now back to Impact Exposure. And welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap from that quick break here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. Alex Sharg, your host, and David DeFever to my left. 
talking Olympics, a little bit about the Michigan State football team so far. But right now, we have to talk about our Detroit Tigers. They made a big deal this past week, acquiring Anibal Sanchez and Omar Infante in a deal, sending a variety of prospects to the Miami Marlins. But even right now, they, they're opening up a three-game series with Boston for a live update score right now. They are down 2-1, to one, and they have a, a big series right now, you know, being two games back from the Chicago White Sox, you know, going back and forth between taking first place. I mean, we'll see what happens with this Detroit Tiger team, but back to the back to the actual trade here for a second. So, Omar Infante used to be a Detroit Tiger. The Detroit Tigers obviously lacking that second base position molding for for this upcoming year. The clear World Series favorites, demoted by many analysts and and many sports writers coming into the year. But David, about this trade, I mean, what are your thoughts on this? And 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 for that matter, even more so. Did they give up too much for, you know, a guy who who isn't really? Uh, I would say, I mean, with Anibal Sanchez's first start with the Tigers, he did not pitch well. But no, I mean, does this look like a guy that that looks to be like a top two guy in a rotation? He he can be, and I read I read some stories that. You know, with Omar Infante, we look at his batting average as a Tiger now. He's a reliable bat and just hasn't found his groove yet. Along with Sanchez, kind of didn't have a good first outing on Saturday. He did give up eight hits in six innings, five turned runs, and three homers. But he's known as a ground-out pitcher, which is really good to have in your repertoire of pitching. But he only had seven on Saturday, which is his lowest in his last five starts. But... I feel like as soon as they get comfortable, which they should be already, but I mean trading, you know, moving all the way from Miami all the way back up to the mitten, maybe a little different for them to get back yeah, into the groove yeah. of things. I don't know. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. I, I look at what they gave up, David. They they gave they up gave Jacob some, Turner. Yeah. This with, guy was a top five draft pick. Correct. And and he was slated to be probably one of the top pitchers of this organization Coming up, that we've yeah. had in a long time. And to get a guy like Anibal Sanchez, yes, I mean, he with a four whatever ERA in a National League division where pitchers bat, it's not very good. Correct. You know, and it angers me. I'm not gonna blow up here on the air, but it <laughs> angers me to see a guy who has an ERA over four in the National League and acquiring a guy when we have rotation that's pretty much set. I mean. Besides the fact that Drew Smiley, yeah, he, he did get demoted. He wasn't pitching too hot. But to to send down to send down, you know, to, to have to go into your, your batting order and having to go through your forty man roster and demote making a decision between Quentin Barry and Andy Dirks, who just start every day. I mean, the more players they acquire, the more tools they have in and yes, they do lack position from second base. Omar Infante, sure. It was great to get a guy who can produce at second base, but for the most part this lineup is getting damaged more for the more players that we acquire. So I have to ask you, there are still talks, David, about the Tigers acquiring an offensive fielder. There are still talks about the the Tigers acquiring another guy in this rotation. So, I mean, with that said, what does this team need to do from here on out? Have they made enough enough moves? Does Dombrowski need to make one more move for this team, David? That could be up in the air right now, but... They got the second base, which was uh, that was the most important for me. But like what you said with the ERA of above four for Anibal Sanchez, 
we'll see how that plays out the rest of the season. If it works for us, then it works for us. But since the All-Star break, the Tigers are 10-6. and 6. It's good to be above 500, right. but, but can they get it rolling? Can they keep things consistent? Can they get these wins we need in a row? We need to win series. We need to win multiple games in a row. We can't just win two out of three every series. We need to be sweeping teams. So I do see Dombrowski making a move, hopefully, mm-hmm. but I don't know what position we would try to get for. Yeah, and even with the acquisition of Omar Infante, the Tigers time and time again have came out and said, Nick Castellanos, our number one second base prospect, we are not trading away. He is a no-touch guy. But since the Tigers don't have a solution to second base, why not give him a chance, a chance. to maybe come in and play a little bit? The guy is a no-touch guy. I mean, let's see how good this guy is. Exactly. And, and some people, to play devil's advocate for a second here, David, some people will say, oh, he's in double-A Erie. He's still got a lot of learning to do. You, you put him up to the, to the American Leagues. He's not going to do well as a rookie. But to that I say, listen, we, d- we promoted a guy from double-A Erie, such as Alex Avila, who has not played in the majors at all. He comes up, hits 220 his first year, not a very good production, we keep him that year. Yet, yeah, we did not make the playoffs that year. But for the most part, was not a very good first year. Okay. We 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 promoted Alex Avila from Double A Erie his first year. So my question: Why not promote a guy when you have a guy hitting 177 at second base? Compose to when we promoted Avila, Gerald Air was only hitting like 230. You know. So my question for the viewer, for the listeners, more so is. Why not promote Nick Castellanos? And, and if you have a legitimate reason, please call in 517-432-3893. And if not Castellanos, what else does this need to this team need to do with their trades with this season so far? And of course, with the trade deadline coming up, they can make a couple deals after. But we're just going to go ahead and see. But David, your predictions for the Tigers? I mean, is this a playoff bound team? I do. I do th- see them making the playoffs, but. The run for the the title is still up in the air for me. I like what you were saying. I, they they need to make one more move to you know like seal the deal. I wouldn't say seal the deal, but right. you know to make the team a little bit stronger to give them that extra push when it comes playoff time. But as of right now, I see them making the playoffs, but in the title hunt, not so much. Yeah, but but even with so like yeah, you don't see him so much in the title hunt. There there are so many great teams. Yes, this year. there are. And even with, as we've seen in the All-Star game, this Angels team with all the rookies that they promote, I mean, I personally would love to see a Tiger rookie. We haven't had a, a prominent rookie since Austin Jackson back to, you know back last year when he wasn't even producing as much as he is doing you know this year. Excuse me, that was two years ago for Austin Jackson. But for the most part, I would love to see Nick Castellanos play at second yeah. base. And, and yeah, like Rayburn... Like, people would think that, yeah, like, Rayburn may be coming around a little bit. I mean, he had a double, you know, like, two games ago. Like, whoa. <laughs> but for the most part, I just don't understand how this team, time and time again, you know, they they, they put so much money in this team already, and, and they've done pretty much all they need to do from here on out. I mean, most people after this trade thinks thought that this was an all-set team. Yes. And, and with the production of Omar Infante, you know, he he's hitting – I mean, his batting average so far is is 143, and this is through six games with the Tigers so far. And with what he's done so far, I mean, 
what do they do with Infante? I mean, are you going to play Rayburn more? Do you keep him in? I mean, what do you think the solution to this is? Yeah, you just got to give Omar a chance, I, I would say. But, I mean, you can't just give Rayburn the boot. Yes, that's what the Tigers fans were looking for is let's get a second baseman. Let's get him out of here. But if Omar Infante can't produce and can't find his groove, do we have to, to you know, keep Raybert? Well, not well. We obviously keep him, but right. do we have to rely on him as our second baseman if Omar can't find his groove? Yeah, and not just that, David. But I mean, this guy Omar Infante. You know, he was drafted by the Detroit Tigers. He's been in the Tigers organization now for six years. You know, prior to being acquired again, yeah. back from 2002 to 2007, he played with the Tigers. And and when we had him. I mean, he was generally a decent second baseman. Yeah. I mean, his batting average climbed all the way up to 277. I mean, not bad. With the with the when we traded him to Atlanta, we did get, you know, some pretty good players in return. That was the the you know, if you remember the Jair Jurgens trade when we traded away, you know, to to get those necessary players. But coming back again, I mean, if I when when I looked at the stats, David, I mean, his batting average after the 277 with Detroit. He got all of the way up to 321 with the Atlanta Braves, and each year he's dropped about 20 points in his batting average. So, like, to me, this is, like, looking towards the end of his career. And yeah. I, I don't really see him at, at, at 30 years old having much of a career left at second base. But, I mean, even with as old as he is, I mean, what are your predictions for Anibal Sanchez? I mean, yeah, it's one, it's one, you know, it's one One game. outing, yeah, one outing. Um, Hopefully, I've, I actually haven't seen him pitch at all, but it's... Hopefully he can come around because we do need that extra guy in the lineup for the Tigers. We need to settle in and and know who our one, two, three guys are and rely on them for for wins. For we're throwing them on the mound, we're going to get a W today. Right. No, I mean, and and for that matter, I mean, I hope they do. I mean, yeah. for the most part, I mean, for this trade to work out, we have to hope that all the prospects we traded away and Jacob Turner and. And, you know, the prominent catching prospect that we had, too. We have to hope that these guys don't max out, just like the Miguel Cabrera trade. When you remember back in 08, when we acquired Cabrera, we gave up Cameron Mabin, who so far has been pretty much a failure. You know, <laughs> maxed out to be way higher than what he's doing right now. But granted, he has not been what most thought he would be at this point. Mm-hmm. They gave up, you know, a variety of different... Pro- I mean, they gave up Cody Ross. They gave up a variety of different prospects to this Miami Marlin team. And, and so far, it's worked out pretty good. Yeah. Donshaw Willis did, you know, throw out his arm. He had some issues. But for the most part, we got an MVP out of it. Yes. So if you have a solution to this Detroit Tiger team, 517-432-3893, was this trade a good trade? Did we give up too much? I mean, it may be a little too early to tell, but if you are listening out there, please give us some insight. 517-432-3893. Or tweet at us at 89FM Sports Rap. And you can also answer our question of the week. For those of you just tuning in, the question of the week this week is with the 240 countries competing in the Olympics, there are a certain number of teams who have never won a medal, period, throughout Olympic history. How many countries have never won a medal? So you need to tweet at us. And in future weeks, we will be giving out prizes. You know, David David has a variety of different places lined up in future weeks. Can't wait for that. Yeah. But feel free to tweet at us, and maybe you can prove to us that, that you know a little more than we do. I mean, I thought it may be 60, you thought 70, until we both found out what the real answer was. So, again, you know, this Detroit Tiger team has a lot to work on. And along with the Detroit Tigers, this Detroit Lion team certainly has a variety of different issues to work on. 
it is slated as of today that Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner, is going to visit the Detroit Lions training camp. And I think pretty much, the if you are listening, you may know that the main reason for this is because of the Lions, all of their offseason issues. They've had seven arrests this offseason. They've had a guy punch another player in the face that was Titus Young, punching Louis Delman, Delmas, I mean, excuse me, that was a sucker punch. He sucker punched Louis Delmas in the face. And then on top of that, you have guys getting, you know, for, for whatever other arrests that they may have, you have the press all over it. The Detroit Lions accounting for 28% of the NFL offseason arrests total. So, I mean, with this image that, that this team has displayed so far this offseason, David, if you had to pick one word to describe this Lion team, and then and I'm talking about with the Lions arrest, with Jim Schwartz coming out and, and trying to shove Jim Harbaugh after a game, with Calvin Johnson and Dominican Sue stumping on a guy's face, how would you characterize this 2012 Detroit Lion team? As of right now, in the summer, the one word that comes out of my mind is immature. It's just when you're at the highest level and you're getting paid the big bucks, you need to perform. And having that maturity you think would come around already in adults, even kids coming out of college, I mean, it's you can't take advantage of this opportunity. With, like with Nick Fairley, great prospect, great player, DUI, and gets busted for marijuana like what does that say you coming to this team like we want you to play we want you to start but you can't seem to go an off season without getting in trouble and you said seven players that's unacceptable and we account for a fourth of the whole nfl out of 30 30 32 teams sure it's just incredible how much trouble we get into sure and at the same time coming down coming down to it at the end of the day does nick fairly play a lot, you know, his first year, with what he has done this offseason? The answer is probably yes, yes in my cause opinion. Because skill, because you want a good guy on the field and you drafted him for that reason, and that's what the Lions want. When Chad Johnson gets fined by the NFL for his offseason antics, he still plays. It happens time and time again, but let's go to the phones. Maybe someone has some, some Detroit Tigers, you know, some something that the Detroit Tigers can do. You are on 89FM Sports Rap. Who is this calling? Hello. Hello. Who is this calling? Uh, Doug. Doug, what's going on, man? Uh, do you have a solution for this Tiger team? Or more so, how do you characterize this Detroit Lion football team if you had to pick one word? I would uh, characterize not hitting the potential that it has on the field. But, you know, when you start talking about Farley and, and, and you look at what he did in college, there was some question about him coming in anyway, and unfortunately, he's kind of lived up to the question marks that people had. Mm-hmm. That's very unfortunate because he has the ability in the field, but so far, uh, off the field problems. Hopefully, he he gets it, but he has one more problem. Right. Off the team. No, sure, absolutely. But but even dog like with with this team so far and what they've done last year. I mean, what's your prediction for this upcoming season, and how will these off season issues contribute to that? I think they're going to make the playoffs again. I really do. I think you know I do, but I think uh, you know there's a lot of work to be done in front. But I think they, I think they can, they can achieve that. I think it's still in front of them. I believe that. Okay, no, very fair enough. David and I have gone back and forth about this, but even back to the the Detroit Tigers, did you have something to say about that recent trade they made? 
Uh, well, yeah, I mean, I think you were talking about Nick Castellanos. Right. And I don't believe Nick ever played second base in, in, in the minors. I think he played exclusively third base mm-hmm. up until recently, and now they got him in the outfield. Uh-huh. And so uh, I don't think he was ever questioned and uh, slotted to play second base. I think that was the big deal there. Mm-hmm. So, you, know, you know, he's very comfortable at third base, never really a second baseman, I don't think. And I don't think he played much in, in, down in Lakeland or even in the Erie. Program. Yeah, I will agree with you. Do you think that they're trying to mold him into a second baseman based off no. their production they've gotten? No, I, th- I bet you they leave him on outfield. I think. Well, we'll see. You know, but I, no, I think I think they're gonna they're gonna get him up here, and he's gonna be he'll play in September. But I think he'll play in the outfield. All right, fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Hey, Doc, thanks for calling. In. Where are you calling from, by the way? I'm on the road going back to Novi. All right, have a safe trip back, David and I. You know, we're going to have a try to have a safe trip back, especially with this Detroit Lions team. Let's hope they can hold a safe trip back into the upcoming season, yeah? All right, man. All right, thanks a lot. All right, so that was that was Doc calling in with his predictions on the Detroit Lions and the Detroit Tigers with Nick Castellanos. But, David, even more so, I want to point out an article written by Anwar Richardson from MLive this week. Detroit Lion coach Jim Schwartz had a little issue with Ryan Broyles, who was the second-round pick at wide receiver for the Detroit Lions. Ryan Broyles was, quote, Schwartzed. And I guess this is a term used to describe who gets undressed that day. And the reason for a player getting undressed can be not meeting up to an expectation that Jim Schwartz may set or maybe having an off-season issue. So for whatever reason, Ryan Broyles, the recent draft pick, was undressed by Jim Schwartz. And what we've seen from Jim Schwartz so far, David... His intensity, and even with everything that's happened, yeah. how is he going to... I mean, we've, we've seen what he's doing in the training camp with Ryan Burles and the rookies. We've had players come out and say, you know, he's going to yell no matter what. Even Nate Burleson came out and said, yeah, I think that was expected. If, if he would have came out here and had a perfect day, he still would have gotten yelled at, yeah. end quote. So even the, own, the, the very own starting players, such as a Nate Burleson, knows that Jim Schwartz is going to get on his guys... He has a vision for this team. So how will this team max out? And what do you see Jim Schwartz, you know, how does he rank in terms of coaches in the NFL? He's he's getting up there. He's making a name for himself. And after the last season that we had making the playoffs, after those dreadful seasons, the 0-16s, you know, not winning more than five games, he, he's making a name for the Lions. And I think the intensity that he brings to the Lions club and their organization is exactly what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, he, yeah, every coach is going to be tough on your rookies because you really have to earn your spot in this type of league. But he also, I think, needs to keep that intensity on his veteran players as well. And with all the offseason arrest, he needs to get in the face of all those players. You know, like, this is a team. Like, we're here to win. We're, we're trying to win a Super Bowl. We're turning this team around from what used to be nothing, used to be awful seasons, people wearing garbage bags in the stands because it's so <laughs> awful. But like, Lion fan for one day only. Yeah. <laughs> but the intensity he brings is what the Detroit Lions needs. And I, and I do agree with Doug. They will make the playoffs this year. I mean, yeah, let's cross our fingers and knock on wood there. But for the most part, I mean, with the arrest of Aaron Barry, we had to let him go. Granted, yeah, his contract was very low. But, I mean, what does this team do with the secondary now? I mean, they they are lacking a little bit of depth. And I ask the listeners out there, feel free to call in. 517-432-3893. 
what are the biggest issues that this Detroit Lion team has to face so far? And we're going to spend maybe another, another minute on that before we move on to a quick hockey break with David here. But with everything that's happened so far, yeah, they could very well be a playoff team again. Yeah, Matt Stafford could easily throw out over you know 5,000 yards again and, and be with Drew Brees in, on that high pedestal there. But I look at what has happened so far with their running back situation. Yeah, Mikel is sure with his offseason issues. And then Javid Bess not making the slated return we know, with his injury that most people thought he would. And you have Kevin Smith starting off the year, who's more of a third-string guy. Yeah. So how is Kevin Smith, you know, within these first couple of weeks of the year, how is he going to pan out, David, with this team? And, and how are they going to, you know, mix up their passing game with running game when they don't have a, quote, starter at running back? He is going to have to grind his gears and be that running back. He Like he was when he was a rookie. Exactly. And... And yeah, you said he might be a third string running back, which I agree with you, but he needs to learn that he's got to take that responsibility, that leadership to show that he can be a first down, first string, first, second, third down back to balance out our our passing game. Right. But he really needs to put that running game on his own shoulders like we're going to get the blocking up front hopefully. But it, you know, running backs have to do things on their own when those blocks can't be pursued. Yeah. Bring out the horses, Kevin Smith. (laughs) Run one for the Lions this year. We'll be leaning on you. We'll see what happens with that. But, David, jumping now from the Detroit Lions to the Detroit Red Wings, we've seen it over these last two weeks. Ken Holland expected to make some sort of move and nothing really done. So, David, what is a solution now for this Red Wing team? We asked this last week, the week before that. We had our solutions. None of them panned out. I mean, Shane Doan yet still to be decided. Still on the trading I line. personally, like I said last week, I, I like Shane Doan coming to Detroit. I think that is pretty much what they have set in store. But what is this team and what's going on in Rumorville and in the, in the chat rooms that you've read so far? Yeah, um, Shane Doan is pretty much our last our last leg to look at. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the defensemen that are on the market, which the Wings, you know, think they'd get a little shaky. You know, you lost Stewart, you lost Lindstrom to retirement. But I think Shane Doan is the last chance the Wings have. And if we can't make a move on him, what are we going to – are we set with this team? Is This obviously will be the team for the upcoming season. And are they going to be strong enough to hold that 21-year right. straight and, and the worst, run? And the worst would be – is this a dead wing era? Like, do you see this with losing a prominent defenseman like we've had for so many years yeah. being a dead wings era, David? I I don't. With with what we've had in the past years and the last two decades, and how we've had to cope with different players and bringing in all these different guys, I think the wings will still be fine. I do. Um, it's hard to tell now because it's the off season, but the playoff push that we're going to have to bring, that's going to be something to look at with last year getting knocked out in the first round to the Predators, Mm -hmm. you know, being that middle seed in the Western Conference. Are the Wings going to be able to, you know, turn that around and be a number two, a home a home ice advantage playoff team? And, Mm -hmm. And that obviously is crucial in the playoffs. I mean, but for the Wings, Shane Doan, definitely the last, the last string to get. But, um, other, 
other news besides the Wings. Shea Weber from Nashville re-signed with them after getting oh. a big offer from the Flyers, which I thought he was going to go there. You know, Sutter's gone. You sure. know, 2-2 went to the Red Wings. They had Kostitsin, the brothers, and then they still haven't re-signed Andre yet. Right. And then on, in other news in New York, Rick Nash was finally traded to a team where he can win a Stanley Cup. <laughs> the New York Rangers got traded for Brandon Dubisky, um, Artem Anisimov, a prospect and a first round draft pick for the 2013 upcoming year. And then other news is Alexander Semen signed a one year, $7 million one year, $7 million contract with the Carolina Hurricanes, which everyone knows that Jordan Stahl joined his brother Eric onto that team. Right. So with that signing, I mean, I think Alexander Semen is overrated and got overpaid for his one year. Yes, he's a 30 goal scorer, but last year's injuries kind of like slowed him down a little bit but <clears throat> I would I would consider Carolina a sleeper team don't throw them away yet they got a good goaltender in Cam Ward and they got a lot of goal scorers up front and then adding Alexander Simmons going to be huge for them but I think the Wings need to make an offer on Doan they need to make a big offer on him because it's mm-hmm. going to take a lot of money to get him to come to Detroit yeah, and even with Shane Doan I mean this guy is in his late 30s now yeah 35 I mean What's his production going to be like, in your opinion? What can if he comes to Detroit? Let's hope not any decision we make doesn't happen again. Yes. Like we thought, Suter would come. We thought maybe Parise. Parise would come, and none of them have come. So I'm not even going to say I hope that Shane Doan comes because yeah. if we say it, it's not going to happen. Yeah, correct. <laughs> and I'm sorry for all the listeners out there. If you want to call in, please give us another name so we can get Shane Doan on the Red Wings. Please give us another example so we can land someone. Five one seven four three two thirty eight ninety three. Yes, we are in the closing minutes of the show, but feel free to call in or tweet at us at eighty nine FM Sports Rap for a last suggestion or more so to answer our question of the week. Um, you can also find that question on our Twitter page as well. But David, so if not Shane Doan, what's the what's the what's the suggestion on defense? Who's going to fill that void? I, 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 if they don't make a move or get Shane Doan, I don't think they're going to pick up so, anyone else. Okay, fair enough. So if they're not getting anyone else, is Ken Holland going to sit back and say, listen, this will be a scouting year. We're going to see who is going to step up on defense. Is, are they just waiting waiting and, and watching these rookies and, and these younger guys to see who's going to make an impact on defense? And I, and I think they are a little bit because, as you know, the Red Wings are a developmental team. They bring a lot of their guys from the AHL program with the Grand Rapids Griffins, and they bring them up. You see Justin mm-hmm. Ablocator. You see a lot of Tartar. You see you see different guys in preseason that are going to be Red Wing names in the future. But how much can they rely on their, their AHL team and prospects and developing them and how can they get them to progress at a high level within the NHL? It's obviously a different pace, and it's a lot faster, but the Wings' defense is the question mark. They added the goalie, which is going to be good for Jimmy Howard to get some rest, but the defensemen that we have now need to step up and show that they're the guys that can carry this team. Yeah. I mean, hopefully this won't be a dead Wings era. I mean, let's just hope, let's just hope, and hopefully we'll have a leader emerge. I mean... Is it going to be Dotsuk or Zetterberg? I mean, who's going to lead this team, though? Uh, I am positive that Zetterberg will be wearing the C on his sweater, but, you know, you never know with with Babcock and upstairs who they're going to choose. But I think Zetterberg has the leadership skills, and he, he showed it in his past years. He kind of had a slow start last year, but I think that he's going to be able to carry this team. Fair enough. We will see for that matter. 
And of course, camping off the show, we've got our last minute. We're going to talk about our goon of the week, our weekly tradition, our last segment of the show, demoted to someone who we think just isn't too smart. So our goon this week is the very own Chad Ochocinco, but let me correct the listeners for that matter. It is no longer Chad Ochocinco. It is back to Chad Johnson. Chad Johnson changing his name from Ochocinco back, coming out and saying to the press, he quotes here, I'm refocused and locked in. Time to get back to the old me. I'm just doing it for the marriage. It has nothing to do with football. Ocho Cinco is still in me. It's just my middle name. End quote. So, David, first of all, your thoughts on the name change. And remember, he just signed with the Miami Dolphins, you know, know, weeks ago. So, do you think this had to do with more of the marriage, or was he just being a moron and just wants the media attention? I believe that it was for the marriage. I don't regret, or not regret, I don't blame his future wife or fiance. Um, on having a, a, a number as your last name, and I wouldn't want that. Just stick to one name. Come on, man. <laughs> Absolutely. There you have it, David the Fever, capping off the show. Thanks for tuning in. For those of you listening, we'll, we will be back next week on Monday from the same time, 7 to 8, on 88.9. This is the Spartan Sports Wrap. I'm Alex Sharg. And I'm David the Fever. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.